Yo. Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show. Autumn is a best-selling author, popular speaker, and wife who is obsessed with her husband and four crazy kids. She is also the CEO of the Autumn Miles Ministry, as well as a lipstick and lash enthusiast. Autumn's vision is to speak to the culture with bold truth and challenge you to act in raw faith. Here's Autumn Miles. Hey, hey, it's your girl, Autumn Miles, back with you today. How are we doing out there? Dallas is opening up. We just, we said uh, yesterday how I need people. I like, I, I understand the shelter in place, but you guys know out there, there is nothing substitutes for human interaction. Nothing. My guest today, I feel like this is timely. Um, I won't blame him for the pandemic, but I do see how God's sovereign time had him release the book that he is releasing. His name is Banning Liebscher. He is uh, the Jesus Culture founder and pastor. Now, if you haven't heard of Jesus Culture, where have you been living? Um, Jesus Culture has literally caused and instigated via the Holy Spirit revival um, all over the world. So, you might know of his work already and his commitment to Christ already, but he is with us in person. He has released a new book, The Three Mile Walk, and um, I'm I'm incredibly excited about it. I want to go ahead and welcome him to the show. No more PSAs for us today. Welcome, Banning, to the show. How are you? I'm so good. It's uh, great to be with you. I'm cracking up over here because we're in California and you're talking about Texas is opening back up. I have good friends who are pastors in Texas, Oklahoma, Georgia, and it's so fascinating to see how those kind of southern states are handling this compared to California. Like, literally, my friends are calling me. They're like, the governor just told us we can have church this weekend. <laughs> and, like, everybody's like, where are you all got to get back? Get back to church right now. You all need to be back in church. And you got <laughs> California, and they're like, ah, you know, we'll, we'll talk about church like at Christmas. No, it's not quite that far, but they're full on different. They're they're like, this is months away that we're going to do all this type of stuff. So it cracks me up about how in the same country, different different parts are so drastically different on how they're handling, like going back or not going back. So I'm glad though that you guys are opening back up. That's good news. We are. Hopefully it's coming for y'all soon. I saw the beaches were closed, but now they're open again. In California, is that right? Yeah, we, we have no idea. It's it's everyday changing, right? It's everyday changing. But anyways, it's good to be here. Honored You're to be on, on the show. I'm so glad to have you here. So this book, Three Mile Walk, now it's going to, it will release um, June 2nd. Um, so you can, I'm, I'm assuming you can pre-order now because everyone and their mom, that's what they do these days. They pre-order books. So uh, for everyone that's listening, uh, go pre-order this book. You're going to need it. You wrote a book about purpose, finding what God has called you to do. Now, I, 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 I was joking um, earlier, but I really do think that people, and you, of course, I want all your insight on this. I feel like during this time, God has kind of put us in a global timeout and a global, hey, let's reflect on your life. Where are you at? Um, and I really do, from what I'm hearing, people are excited about maybe doing that thing that God has asked them to do, but they would never have done it before because they're too busy or their perspective was different. Um, talk to me about Three Mile Walk and um, those people that I'm talking about, and you know who you are who are listening, that you're like, man, when this lockdown is over, I nothing is going to stop me from doing what God's asked me to do. Talk to those people and tell me um, 
about why you wrote this book. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, my, I have, this is my heart. My heart is just to come alongside people. I want to come alongside people. I want to encourage them. I want to be that guy in their corner, just saying, do, do the things that are in your heart. And what I really believe is this, I believe that we are most alive, most fulfilled, most thriving when we are actually engaged in what God has called us to. And that there's a whole bunch of believers that aren't really experiencing the fullness of all that God has for them because they're kind of sitting passively, not engaging what God's called them to. And I, and I think just really clearly that everybody has a call in their life. Every single believer has a call. What separates you isn't your call. Everybody has a call and you're called to be someone and you're called to do something. So God's actually called you to be someone. He's trying to shape you and mold you and form you. And so there's a call to be someone. And then out of that, you're called to do something. You're called to change the world. You're called to start that business or you're called to write that book. Or you're called to serve there. You're called to do something to be a part of what God's doing in the earth. And I think what grieves my heart, and one of the reasons why I want to write the book, even more than just writing books, I just want to come alongside people and say, listen, God's got a call in your life, but you have to get up and engage it. You've got, you've got, to, you've got to respond to God's call. So that's why it's called the Three Mile Walk, which is just based out of that story uh, in 1 Samuel 14 where Jonathan and his armor bearer. And it's this incredible kind of parallel picture of Saul. Saul and the army encamped on one hill, somehow content to look at the Philistines, not really engaged. They're encamped, they're, they're looking at them from a distance, they're not really engaged. And they're, and you know, Saul's content just to sit on the pomegranate tree. But then Jonathan, something awakens in his heart one day, and he just says, I don't, I don't want to sit anymore. Like, there was just this holy dissatisfaction. I think it's what people, a lot of people are experiencing right now, honestly, in the midst of this yeah. pandemic. There's just a, there's, when the system gets disrupted, when yeah. things get turned upside down, when things get stripped away, it's just this kind of, this holy dissatisfaction that starts stirring inside of us. It says, I don't, I'm not content just to sit anymore. I want to get up. And yeah. go after what God's called me to go after, both in who I'm called to be and what I'm called to do. And so this is the story of that. And, and then it's called Three Mile Walk because the Israelites are on one hill, the Philistines are on the other hill, and in between them is a three-mile valley. Mm -hmm. So my, my passion is just to see people awaken to the call of God, but then they understand that when I get up and pursue that, it, 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 it requires some things. It takes a massive amount of courage. It's just, it, it requires some things when I say yes. Okay, so let's take it all the way back because I think this is going to be, this is a universal problem for every believer. I, I really do think that there is a desire to do exactly what God wants us to do, but sometimes yes. we don't know what that is. Yes. So what about that person that's listening today that they're like, yeah, yeah, three mile, I'm going to get this book. Yes, totally. let's do it. However, what? How do you find the what? How do you find yeah. the what to engage, engage in? Clearly you found your what. Yeah. Um, help, help my listeners, uh, help my listeners with that. Well, I, th I think first, obviously the what's connected to the why. And, and I think our life, you know, ultimately when we surrender our life to Jesus and, and just say, you know, we want to draw close to him in intimacy. I want to know him more. I want my life to be shaped and formed to look like Jesus. I mean, ultimately the what is, I want my life to look like Jesus. And then the what just practically of what I'm going to put my hands to, I, we talk about this in the book a little bit because, you know, for me, it was 17 years old. I mean, I grew up in Chris, I grew up in church, but 17 is really when all of a sudden I kind of went forward one day and just said, God, I'm going to do this Christianity thing hundred percent. And he began to really just speak to me through scripture and through, uh, you know, a word that somebody had or, or, or 
and I began to pay attention. So a lot of people don't pay attention. I actually mm. talked about years ago, I heard somebody say, pay attention to the tears, pay attention to your tears because they reveal what's in your heart. And there's a concept that maybe it's not tears, but we don't pay attention. There are things that are moving us. Honestly, for me, it might be when I watch movies on about Africa, it's really, I, I don't know what it is, but for years, I mean, Blood Diamond and, and Hotel Rwanda, there were certain movies about Africa that I, my heart would just be stirred, like, like ab, not just because it was a good movie, but like unusually I would be just stirred, like something yeah. would stir within me. And I began to pay attention to certain preachers that would move me, certain books that I would read, stories that would pop up. Anytime somebody talked about foster care, <laughs> man, my heart is honestly just so moved. I'm like, I don't know what it is, but when you told that story about that kid that was in foster care and got adopted, like it just moves me. And, and so as we begin to pay attention to that, this is the beautiful thing. This is what I would tell people that like, I don't know what to do. This yeah. is the journey of following Jesus. Yeah. He paints. There are, there, there's brush strokes that he's been painting your entire life and he's currently painting. And if you can stop and pay attention, you begin to see the picture that he's painting in your life and saying, this is what I think I'm moved by, not just because it was a good story about foster care, but I think God's calling me to be involved in some way in foster care. And I think that that's the journey. You know, we want it all kind of cookie cutter. Here it is. But Jesus invites us. This is one thing I would say. God doesn't call us with details. He calls us with a promise. So he didn't tell the disciples how he was going to do it. He said, listen, this is what I'm going to do in your life. Now follow me. And this is the journey. It's like, I don't know all the details, but I am going to follow you. And you're going to reveal those things as we move forward. So it is, I, honestly, that's a big one right there. Like, how do I even know Pay what attention. to do? Pay attention. I love that. We, uh, when I was 18, I'm 39 now. Uh, but when I was, oh, 18, come on, I, big four O's coming up. Excited because of what all that means in the scripture. So I'm like, bring it on 40. Wait let's go. Gonna... Something happened when I turned 40. No joke. I kid you not. I think 40 is, is a decade of prime. It's where a whole bunch of convergence comes together. <laughs> Anyways, keep going. Sorry. I'm believing for that in my own. I really am. I really do. Feel, I really, anyway, that's my own personal life, but God put such a huge desire when I was 18 to adopt. I was 18 years old, 18. Yes. Like I'm, yes. I'm like, what, what in the world? We adopted two babies when I was 35. That was on the other side of me paying attention, like you just yes. said, to that yes. huge desire. This is for you. This is going to yes. believe this, stand on it. And now, well, we have four kids, but um, I, I love what you said. Paying attention is so simple. But I yeah. think people just uh, overanalyze. It's got to be something great. I've got to be from. I've got to do this yes. from a stage, or it's not significant, or whatever. But it's really about okay, God, what what stirs my heart? I love that you said that. Okay, hold on. Living your best life. You say this in the book. I I hashtag this all the time. <laughs> Everybody does. We all we all want to live our best life. Um, what what do you say? What's wrong with that? Um, tell me about it. I, I have a feeling yeah. I love your answer. No, no, no. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with living your best life. It's just how we define that. I actually believe that God is calling us to live our best life. I but I think that that we don't know. But in the world, we've defined best life as things that you get and and comforts that you acquire. And it's this certain picture and, and, you know, social media makes it all even worse, right? It's all filtered and my best life is filtered and my best life is whatever. But, but what we're talking about is living your best life is, 
is just is pursuing Jesus and all that he has for you. And I think that it's really interesting for me. I, I will say this, and this is the picture that keeps going around. In fact, even as I, even if, even as I've been talking about this book, I want to see believers get out of this kind of sitting on the sideline, kind of uh, somewhat comatose. First, I went to Las Vegas. You know, you've seen all the movies on Las Vegas. You know that all the all the things that look fun, all that type of stuff. And I went to Vegas not to gamble, but just to preach at a church. First time I was ever there, I got invited to go speak in church. And they put me in a hotel that was a casino. And I remember walking through um, the casino floor with all the slot machines. And it was not at all like the movies. Like the picture I had in my head of Vegas, it was the opposite. It was people kind of slumped in chairs, kind of with this dead look on their face, just pushing a button on a slot machine. And and I just thought, this is that picture that so many believers are are living their Christian life. Yeah. Like, like they're saved, they're going to heaven, they believe in Jesus, but they're just not fully alive. Yeah. Like they're just kind of just sitting there, somehow content to live like that. And the living the best life, which I have no problem with the phrase, is like, no, they're they're there's something more than what you're experiencing. You're gonna have to get up. You're going to have to take some risks. You're going to have to move forward. You're going to have to follow Jesus off the map. But there's something more than what you're experiencing. And, and that kind of mundane Christian life that just goes through the motions, there's so much more than that. Yeah. And, and, and there's so much more than just acquiring things and so much more. I mean, the beautiful stories of, you know, we know a couple that sold everything to move to China, uh, mm-hmm. to start an orphanage, to take care of special needs children that nobody wanted that only had a short of time to live but they just were so stirred in their heart and they said we're going to move we're going to sell everything move our family to china to make sure these kids are loved while they're here mm. and some of them don't have long to live i mean that's living your best life right that's something it's not about yeah. like like pursuing the things that god has for you experiencing him in the uncharted territories that he's calling us into like this is where we were meant to live and you'll never fully be alive or fully thriving apart from that. So that's what we're going after. It's more the world's version. It's yeah. It's like the world has defined living your best life and um, the world can never define what actually God defines as living your best life. It cheapens it. It cheapens it. It's not the house. It's not, it's, it's living your calling. Um, I want to talk to you about those that want to engage, but they don't know how. They've never done it before. Okay. Maybe there is a lot of, you know, Marys and Sues and Toms and who, those, are, those are the names off the top of my head. That's Texas for you right there. Life. That's Texas. Mary, Sue, and Tom. <laughs> they all live in North Texas. North Texas. Yep. That's probably all my neighbor's name. So. Um, but they're, they, they're on the edge of their seat and they're saying, okay, I don't necessarily know what, or maybe I do know what, but how do I start? I've never lived on the promise before. I've never fully engaged before. How do I do that? And how do I know it's the Lord that's leading me and not my own passion? Yeah, totally. Well, I I, I don't think it's bad that your own passion leads you. I think you have to be careful that your passion is submitted to the Lord. But here's what I've here's what I've learned about God. He's he's extremely good at opening doors. So he's really, really good at opening doors. He's equally as good at closing doors. So for me, I'm just saying move forward. Like, mm-hmm. like what are some things in your heart? Like you got you you have a heart to um, take care of, say, you know, you want to start a home for single moms, 
uh, with kids. Well, just open up one of your rooms, um, raise some money, like just move forward. Even though it may be small, you first start by just saying, what are the things in my heart? What are the things that God has shown me? What are the things that have moved me? And what are some words that I've had in scripture that comes alive at 18 years old? You know, at 18 years old, I just had a heart for adoption. So you just begin to move towards that stuff. Even if it's small things, you move towards it. And um, and just understand this, that God is, I, I remember one time I was so stressed. I had an invitation to leave where I was on staff in Reading to go be with this big ministry that was filling stadiums. And man, it was on my heart to do this and all this stuff. And I remember so stressed about making the wrong decision. I was in Orange County. We were on vacation at Disneyland. I'm walking around this neighborhood in Orange County just stressed, like, God, I don't want to make the wrong decision. I so feel that if I make the wrong decision, I'm going to screw up my destiny. And, and the Lord spoke to my heart in a way that really honestly changed me. He said, he said, Banning, he said, he said, you're giving, he said, Banning, you're giving yourself way too much credit. <laughs> and and I, I said, I said, what do you mean? He said, you are not that big. Wow. I said, what do you mean? He goes, he goes, you think that one decision you make is somehow going to mess up mm. the plans I have for you and the call on your life. He mm. said, you are not that big and mm. you are giving yourself way too much credit. And I think sometimes for people, just move forward. Yeah. Do something. Good. We may not fully know how it's going to work out and it may not work out. So many people are afraid. Can I just say this real quick? So many people are afraid of stepping out and it not working. Yeah. And I just want to tell people, you're not that fragile. Like it will be okay. If it doesn't work out, you'll be fine. We treat ourselves and treat others like we're these little fragile porcelain things that yeah. somehow can't survive. Listen, you have a heart for prayer, start a prayer gathering. Nobody shows up. It won't be the end of the world. Yeah. Get up and go again. So, so we stop moving forward because we're afraid to fail. And what if we, I can't handle that. We don't move forward because we don't think it's a big enough plan. It's just a small plan. We don't move forward for a lot of reasons. And then I would say this as well, is I would, um, if you don't, I share this often, if you don't have a vision, serve somebody else's vision. Mm. Because it's in taking care of somebody else's. This is what That's so Moses, good. Moses is about to get, Exodus 3, Moses is about to get, the very thing that God had called him to, that he's about to get a mandate to lead the children of Israel out of 400 years of slavery. It's this moment he's going to have this encounter with God. But in Exodus 3, it starts out by saying this, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. Mm. And it was, it was in the context of taking care of his father-in-law's flock that God showed up and gave him his own flock, revealed his own mandate to him. Okay. And there's the verse where Jesus says, if you can't be faithful with what is another man's, how can you be trusted with what's your own? Mm. And so there's just this concept that a lot of times people are like, I don't know what to do. Well, find somebody who does know what to do and serve them. Honestly, <laughs> find somebody that does know what to do and bring your strength to them. Come and help them succeed. Because if I can help take care of somebody else's, yeah. that's when God can entrust me my own. If my vision's blurry, Take care of somebody whose vision isn't blurry, and God will begin to give you your vision at a deeper level. So I would say this. Get up and move. Don't worry about is it going to work, not work, is it going to fail, not fail. Who knows? That's the whole part of the journey. We'll see how it goes. 
but Jesus will be with you and then serve somebody else. That's my really long answer. That is, well, it was very meaty. So thank you for that. I love that. I think that's going to help a lot of people. I want you to um, speak on this um, conversation of the heart is required to produce a transformed life. We have three minutes, but I want I want you to speak to this for a minute. Talk to me. I think one of yeah, uh, much of this book starts out with the armor bearer tells Jonathan, "Do all that's in your heart." Mm. The issue was was that Jonathan had a healthy heart. Saul had an unhealthy heart. Mm. So so do all that's in your heart is connected to do all that's in your healthy heart, and and so many people. We live in such an externally driven world that we don't stop long enough to say, what's going on internally? Am I healthy internally? Am I motivated by the right things? Am I believing the right things? Have I dealt with insecurity? Have I dealt with insignificance? And that we would stop long enough to to actually check, what I would say, check under our house. The story is that we just bought a house two years ago, and it's got half of it is on a raised foundation, and then half of it's on a slab. But the original owners owned it for 28 years. When we bought the house, the inspector went under the house and found that the entire half of the house that was on a raised foundation was completely dry rotted out. They had to replace the entire foundation because in 28, it cost them $38,000 because in 28 years, they had never once gone underneath their house to check it out. And and, and this is that concept that so many of us don't stop long enough yeah. to say, what's going on in my heart and is it healthy? Mm-hmm. Am I being motivated by the right things? Am I believing the right things? And I wish all of us would just slow down and stop long enough to go, what's going on in my heart and is it healthy? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then go get healthy. Like make sure your heart's healthy and then whatever comes out is what's supposed to come out. Whatever you're supposed to do will, will happen when your heart's healthy. Uh, I love that. I can't believe they never checked the phone. That's like a nightmare. Oh, I know. Totally, totally. In 28 years, never once looked under the house. And it had horrible ventilation. It was all like, it was horrible. The guy said, I don't know how the house is standing, except for, for those, uh, you know, sheetrock or the, you know, the sheetrock on the sides. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, wow. So. Thank God you're okay. That's crazy. Um, okay, I want you, we have a minute left, but I um, I can't get over this. I do feel like this book is divinely appointed to release June 2nd. I mean, everything is going to start opening up. Talk to that person that is like, I want to engage. I know what I'm supposed to do. Can you encourage them? Because you know after you engage, Satan's going to come and he's going to attack. Yeah. Encourage that person that's like, oh, just I'm, I'm, I'm about to go. It's about to be on. Yeah, well, listen, this journey takes a massive amount of courage and it takes faith. And I'd like to tell you it's something different, but it doesn't. I'm, I'm 25 years into, I'm probably, I'm 27 years into fully pursuing God. And I'm more in over my head now than I've ever been. When you say yes, you just have to be ready. It takes a massive amount of courage. But the good news is, is there's, a, a, God gives us a massive amount of courage. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're discouraged, just know this, that the enemy is working overtime to discourage you. He wants to disarm you of courage because you cannot be who God's called you to be. You cannot do what God's called you to do apart from courage. So even people that are discouraged, sometimes I say, if you're discouraged, be encouraged because that's what the enemy does. He's coming after you to discourage you. Mm. And so you just have to position your life to be encouraged. Surround yourself with community. Get in the word of God. Get in the presence of God. And just know this, that there's a reason why people don't go on this three-mile journey. 
because it takes a massive amount of courage and you will be in over your head. But this is the only way to live. There is no other way to live but yeah. following Jesus in the territory that we've never been before that requires courage and that his presence is with us and brings us courage. So I just would encourage people, allow God to awaken that call in your life and then just know this, the journey is where we're most alive, walking with God, pursuing the things that he's called us to. Uh, I love everything about this conversation. Um, for those listening, my guest today, Banning Liebscher, you probably know of his work from uh, found, uh, being the founder of Jesus Culture. He's also a pastor. Um, just amazing perspective, amazing insight. Go get his new book, The Three Mile Walk. Um, pre-order it right now. It will be out June 2nd. So we're not that far from the release, but I do want you to pre-order it. That's a way that you can ensure that you're going to get it. Um, as soon as it comes out, Banning, thank you so much for sharing your insights. Uh, it means a lot. God has clearly worked through you and I know it has inspired those that are listening, but just thank you so much for your work and being with us today. This is awesome. Uh, thanks for having me on. And I'm not just saying this because I'm on right now. I really genuinely just love what you guys are doing and love the message. And love your heart to encourage people and call them to something greater than their experience. And so just appreciate being on. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for listening. You can catch me right back here tomorrow on The Autumn Mile Show. The Autumn Mile Show is listener supported and your donation to keep her on the air is much appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And if you make a donation of $100 or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of her book of the month. This program is underwritten by Mary Maids of Fort Worth. Your future starts now. Thanks for listening. And join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on the Word 100.7 FM.